0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, o Lord. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man born a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents? That he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither he nor his parents sinned. It is so that the, work of, that the works of God might be made visible through him. We have to do the works of the one who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva and smeared the clay on his eyes, and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed, and came back able to see. His neighbors and those who had seen him earlier as a beggar said, Isn't this the one who used to sit and beg? Some said it is, but others said, No, he just looks like him. He said, I am. So they said to him, How were your eyes opened? He replied, The man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and told me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went there and washed and was able to see. And they said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought the one who was once blind to the Pharisees. Now Jesus had made clay and opened his eyes on a Sabbath. So then the Pharisees also asked him how he was able to see. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and now I can see. So some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a sinful man do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, What do you have to say about him, since he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. Now the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and gained his sight, until they summoned the parents of the one who had gained his sight. They asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How does he now see? His parents answered and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. We do not know how he sees now, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He can speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone acknowledged him as the Christ, he would be expelled from the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, He is of age. Question him. So a second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. He replied, If he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know is that I was blind, and now I see. So they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? They ridiculed him and said, You are that man's disciple. We are the disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but we do not know where this one is from. The man answered and said to them, This is what is so amazing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if one is devout and does his will, he listens to him. It is unheard of that anyone ever opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he would not be able to do anything. They answered and said to him, You were born totally in sin, and are you trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. When Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, he found him and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered and said, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, I do believe, Lord, and he worshipped him. Then Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see might see, and those who do see might become blind some of the pharisees who were with him heard this and said to him surely we are not blind are we jesus said to them if you were blind you would have no sin but now you are saying we see so sin remains in you the gospel of the lord The changes in technology, particularly visual technology, between when my grandparents were children and today's children, is quite staggering. Think of it. My grandparents, who were all born right around the 1920s and grew up during the Great Depression, would have been lucky as an infant and a toddler to have a mobile hanging over their bed that was probably homemade and a toy that was probably made of rags or something cheap because they didn't have much in the way of money or resources. That was about it in terms of visual stimulation. Movies were an extreme luxury, television didn't exist, and computers were the figment of crazy writers' imaginations. And yet today, it's not uncommon for children, some who are still in diapers, to know how to use an iPad. It's quite remarkable. And this has effects. It changes the way that we think, and it changes the way that we act with people. Even those who did not grow up with computers or phones or anything like that, it changes how we interact with each other. So, for instance, children who have never been the paragon of long attention spans have shorter attention spans now. And not only that, but their attention spans are linked to things that visually and auditorially stimulate them. For a child to sit and read a book is increasingly difficult because the child from the very young age is able to just overload his or her brain with visual stimuli. So it changes the way we think. It changes the way we understand and learn. This is a big thing in education. I'm sure any of you who are college professors are starting to deal with that more and more. People don't read books. They read the first and the last page and then try and find something online. All right? (laughs) don't do that. Read lots of books. And if you're a bad reader, you know what makes you a really good reader? Reading. So keep it up. All right. But it also changes the way we act. Now, I will admit that I struggle with this as much as anyone because I went six years without having a cell phone and then I was thrust back into ministry and given an iPhone. And so it's tough. It is tough. And so it's not necessarily that we're all trying to do this, but try and have a meeting with someone or go to dinner with someone and ask them not to use their phone or to put their phone away. It's hard to do. It changes the way we interact. We have to use these things, these external things, to stimulate us. And in the Gospel today, we see, and in the first reading today, we see perhaps better than any time in the history of Christianity what these readings are trying to tell us and the struggles that we all have. The first is from the first reading. Samuel goes to Jesse and sees his seven sons who were handsome, who were strong, who were beautiful to behold. And he thinks to himself, he he allows his emotions from what he sees. Surely the next king is here. He is led by his passions. And God says what? Not as humans see, not as you see, do I see. I see to the heart. And so this first challenge is that when we are bombarded with visual things, it is easier and easier to be led about by our passions and emotions, which is not a good thing. We see this in our culture. Our culture is a pornified culture. Our culture is about trying to entice, trying to titillate people in what they see, in what they read, in what they hear to get them to buy things. If you're... If you have any doubts about this, turn on the TV this afternoon and watch the NCAA tournament. There will be beautiful, scantily clad people trying to sell you something from constipation medicine to hamburgers. This is our culture. We show something that's physically attractive and alluring, and we try to sell. We try to get your emotions to lead you. This is not a good thing. We also see from what we have in the gospel kind of the other thing, is that when people move beyond this emotional thing, they try to control the images that we see. They try to control the message. The Pharisees are trying to control what the other Jews see. They don't want them to see something or to hear something that isn't from them, that doesn't fit their understanding of the faith. If you have any doubts that this happens in our society to an exponentially higher degree than in this society, open up Twitter and flip through what people are saying about any news story. It's all about trying to control what people see and how they react to it. This is, again, not a good thing. And so what does Jesus say to each and every one of us today? And in a particular way, to our catechumens who are preparing to see with the eyes of faith that come from the waters of baptism. What is he saying to each and every one of us today? It's that the joy you seek, the happiness you were created for, comes about only through the eyes that I give you. And it's not your physical eyes, but it's the eyes of your heart. It's the eyes of faith. You have eyes. Those are a gift from God. But you also have an intellect, an ability to understand, to think, to know. And God wants all of that. The way we see the world to be formed by his love, by his mercy, by his goodness, by his beauty, by his truth. That when we see the world through the eyes of Jesus' eyes, it's easier to love our brothers and sisters. When we see our brothers and sisters, especially those who are downtrodden, those in our own community, in our own St. Paul's community, who are immigrants, who are suffering, who are struggling, it's much easier with the eyes of Christ to see them as our brother and sister, to see them as someone I am called to serve than it is if we see them through the eyes of Twitter or we see them through the eyes of, you name, the social media, you name, the television program. We are called to look on people with the eyes of Christ, the eyes of love, the eyes of mercy. And so the challenge then for each of us is to exercise what the Church Fathers called custody of the eyes custody of the eyes. So for those of us who are adults, those of us who are older, when something comes on that we do not like or that we think is wrong, to change the channel, to turn our head, to not support that company, that whatever. And if we have responsibility for children, to help them. If you give a child a phone, you're giving them an opportunity to access anything. And if we're not trying to help them by filtering out the software content or by helping them by talking with them and encouraging them and helping them to wrestle with and understand what they're seeing, this is how we do that. This is how we exercise custody of the eyes. We do it ourselves and then we hand it on and help those who cannot help themselves so that they understand what they are called to here and now. St. Paul, this is one of my favorite readings throughout the entire liturgical cycle, this from uh, the letter to the Ephesians, live as children of light. When we turn our darkness over to God, no matter what it is, no matter what we are filling our eyes with, no matter what our hearts are filled with, when we invite the light of Christ into that, what wins? The light of faith, the light of love, the light of Jesus Christ. Live as children of that light. Today is Laetare Sunday, which comes from the opening antiphon, which is be joyful, rejoice. We wear pink or rose, if you want to be liturgically correct, and you should be. We wear rose twice a year in the church. The third week of Advent, the fourth week of Lent. Why? Because it's a symbol of joy. It's a symbol of beauty. It's a symbol of that this life is about living something wonderful, something spectacular, something joyful, constantly joyful. Not easy, but joyful. And today we are challenged with that. To see, to live as children of the light, to live as children of love, to live as children of goodness, beauty, and truth. And so we have a challenge when we walk out of these doors. When we go out into the world, the end of Mass, when I say to you, go in peace, I pray that you go into this world and that you see this world and you look upon your children, your friends, your brothers and sisters, your co-workers, the stranger among you, with the eyes of Christ, with the eyes of love.